Who's your favorite doctor so far, Sam? What makes someone a favorite? Best episodes? <laughs> Who do you like uh, the best? Like characteristics of the doctor? This is a hard question. I don't think that's a fair question. I can't. It's like picking your favorite child. Well, someone asked this. me a question today and I was like, well, I think I like at least four of us, I would say Capaldi's <laughs> our favorite for sure. But you and Jill were the wild cards. I'd, I'd probably go with Matt Smith. That's what I thought. Yeah. What about you, Jill? Petey. Yeah. That's easy. The old I can't Pete. believe I was a wild card. Well, I thought, but I, I don't know. Couldn't, couldn't, uh, I didn't want to put words in your mouth. It's 100% my humor. Or the humor I appreciate, I guess. I think the, uh, I like David Tennant more. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. He likes them pretty boys. It's true. <laughs> Me too, Terry. Matt Smith is prettier. Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry. This week, we are here to talk about Heaven Sent, written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Rachel Talalay, aired November 28th, 2015. Cody. Jake. Uh, what'd you think of this one? This episode was fantastic. Yay. It was hard to follow for a little bit, but once you got there, once I caught up, Sam? It was really good, especially for a one-man show. It was fun and interesting and kept my attention, and it was great. Jill? I'm with Cody, where it was hard to follow till you got it. Then they did, you know, the whole fast-forward of, like, hey, all you dummies, in case you missed everything, here it was. So I appreciate that. Not at all rompy, but I just thought the whole episode was really beautiful, like all of the, the setting of it. The camera shots, angles, everything else. It's just a really yes. pretty episode. Terry? I really enjoyed it. I had to watch it twice. Uh, I was distracted the first time, but after the second watch through, I definitely caught up on more of what the script and what he was actually saying and kind of brought that in uh, a little bit more into focus and made more stuff clear because uh, the first time was definitely just watching all of the action in pictures and stuff on the screen. Watching it twice was really fun. Alex? I enjoyed it. Uh, when when it first started, I was like, oh, shit, now I remember. Because, like, this one is one of those memorable ones. Um, <laughs> Actually, what he said is, oh, I do need a beer for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, as I was watching it, I, I didn't remember how much, like, it's not fast by any means. It's like a, it's kind of a slog in the middle a little bit. How dare you? Wow. <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah, it definitely uh, is benefited by multiple watches because once you know what's happening, going back and seeing all the clues that are just like laid right in front of your face and 
it, it, it just uh, makes it super fun. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, it's one of the best ones ever. It's uh, it's so a clever. Really, really good script, really good director, really good actor doing pretty much everything by himself. And it's a fun mystery. It's a fun story. And it's uh, a nice connection between what we just saw last week and what and heading into the finale. Also, Jake lies. Truth. What I lie about. Clara was in this episode. I said she was. Mm, He's, what, he did. I think he said Capaldi's the only one credited. Okay. Fair. Yeah, I said I I did kind of lie a little, and I said I think they show Clara <laughs> in a flashback. So because I didn't want you guys to like catch on to the fact that I was saying he's the only one credited, because there is um, the guy who plays the veil. Obviously, Jenna Coleman's in it in those mind palace scenes, and then the little boy at the end who doesn't say anything, but he's in it. Is it actually Jenna Coleman with her back to the doctor, writing? It, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's also her when she turns around and talks to him. Well, yeah. <laughs> Obviously it is there, but Alex yeah, like, think... it was her the whole time. And I was like, it didn't have to be though. Like it right. was so stationary. I thought it was just a model or whatever. Oh, definitely. The think... first time I saw it, like the way they were shooting it, I thought it was just like a body double. Yeah, for sure. Because, oh, right. she's off the show. Like, why would she come on to do this? Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. She's off the show. <laughs> yeah. She died last week. No. <laughs> she's dead. I still didn't believe it. I didn't believe it for a second. Doctor's coming back for her. Like, we're not even done yet. The arc continues. Well, now we've found out whose fault it is. And now there's a fight coming. Oh, it's going to be so fucking... Like, these last two episodes, I could binge. This is binge Doctor that we're in right now. Agreed. Also, did anybody not just, like, mutter Groundhog's Day to themselves when the Doctor got to the clothing rack? And then... <laughs> Like, he threw his clothes on the ground, and I was like, okay. But then as soon as he came back and re-racked him, I was like, yeah, this is, uh, this is a loop. Speaking <laughs> of clothing I, like, rack. I gave up on it for a while. That was by the fireplace after he jumped in the water. Yeah. So that means that one of his loops, he went through completely naked. Ooh. <laughs> How come they didn't show that one? <laughs> Speaking of clothing rack, though, that jacket... Top notch. Yes. Yeah, except for the cliche one button on the sleeve is different. Like, I wonder if that, that was, was awesome. legit how his jacket was, but if they just did it for this episode that I had a different colored one so you can signify that, oh my gosh, it is his jacket, not some random other jacket. Well, you just blew my mind. I mean, it what? never even occurred to me that it could have been somebody else's jacket. He, yeah. I mean, he's had the you've you've seen the button like the one button before on the jacket, the red one. Yeah. No, I haven't. I mean, oh, if it's been on his only... sleeve, he doesn't sling his arms around all the time, so you can see it. Last week was the first time he's worn this jacket, Alex. I thought he had another jacket with like a different button, like the yeah, he has like multiple the, the jackets style of the like, same the, style, the different yeah. button, yeah. But this spe- specific one that. Uh, Whatever color you call that, burgundy, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, you guys want to talk about the episode? Nah, let's talk about jackets. Is that, ja- <laughs> is that jacket? I was a little concerned because there isn't a ton to talk about because it's kind of... Repetitive? Well, it's... Once you no, get the first it's story, really not. Like, good. The first loop doesn't end until True. 46 minutes in. 
So there's only like seven minutes left of repeating everything. So I have a lot of questions in this episode. Begin. Uh, first and foremost, was this the doctor punishing himself? No. Okay. Was that device that he came out of, that wasn't his, like, the last will and testament dealy, was it? It was his confession dial. It was his confession dial. Oh, okay. I forgot what it was called, but now that you say confession dial, that makes so much more sense. And when Missy said it's kind of a last will and testament, she was just kind of dumbing it down for Clara. That's not literally what it is. In fact, in the last episode, Face the Raven, when he hands it to Ashilda... She says, how does it work? And he says, I don't know. And he's telling the truth. He doesn't know what it is either. So I kind of got like when I saw that it was the confession dial, um, it kind of made me feel like the entire time there was no confession inside of it. And I don't know how he got into it in the first place, but I really like the idea of uh, he's filling the confession dial with his confessions through the veil monster uh like i thought that was a really neat uh idea yeah it's a the confession dial takes your confession and he was put in there through that that teleporter that in ashilda's house (laughs) or whatever oh that's right that's how he got in there okay with his little bracelet thing yeah Mm -hmm. so then does that give us a clue as to who asked Ashilda to do all of this? (laughs) I think the big clue is where he is at the end of the episode. Okay. All right. That was uh, quite shocking. Yeah. Talk about your reactions. Uh, Well, first of all, I need to make sure that I was right. Is this the Time Lord Planet? Gallifrey. (laughs) Gallifrey. Yes, Time Lord Planet. This is Gallifrey? It's the TLP for short. The Time Lords are colluding to take down the hybrid. Yeah? Who is also the Doctor? They are scared of it. They know or think that the Doctor knows what it is. So they collude with Ashilda to trap him in his confession dial and get him to tell them what the hybrid is. And then as soon as he does, he can leave. Hmm. Which is like a billion years. <laughs> well, he never does. He escapes. He know. He figures out that this is what is happening. Why would they leave the TARDIS in the confession dial? It is not in the confession dial. So, so when, when he punches through the thing that's like 10 times harder than Diamond, I thought he was getting to his TARDIS. He thought that the TARDIS was there because it says mm-hmm. home. So he goes, ah, my TARDIS. But then when he gets oh. to the other side, it's just the exit. Well, it is actually it is actually Gallifrey, which is his home. Yeah. So he when he sees home, he thinks, oh, the TARDIS, that's where I live. That's fair. Okay. so the doctor was doing a lot of narrating from the TARDIS. But like I didn't understand when the scenes were swapping back and forth as the doctor was narrating from the TARDIS and as the doctor was inside the confession dial. Like, that was difficult to comprehend on, like, so when is the doctor in the TARDIS? What is he, what's going on? Never. It's his mind palace. Oh. So that's, like, where he goes to slow his thinking down so he has time to come up with a plan. And talk with Clara. Okay, so is that what they were trying to, like, describe when he jumped out of the window? 
Yeah. So he yeah. he says like like you have a place in your mind that you go to to kind of slow down time and work something out really fast. Mine is my TARDIS. What else would it be? And then oh. he's like fiddling with buttons, doing calculations, so and then he's like, "What's that movie where they take that pill?" <laughs> limitless limitless yeah, yeah it's like limitless <laughs> no like, please no whatever. Like, i see what you're saying but i hate that these two are being compared right now because that was probably the best scene in doctor who that i've seen in my life i loved every well, second of it more a, a more apt comparison is sherlock who literally has a mind palace and it's also written yeah. by stephen moffat right yeah Moffitt that loves was a mind palace there was definitely like a, an overlap there, but the breakdown of how the doctor thinks and what he does that you're like, you pay absolutely no attention to, but then he's like the dropping of the monocle and the uh, dropping of the pedal, the splash of the water, the time it took for that bench to get there. Which like I re re that explanation. the episode and you did not hear the splash. I'm disappointed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, they cheated then, but still super cool. I loved it so much. I, I liked in the uh, TARDIS when he was talking with Clara the first time about jumping out the window. And he says the line, I'm going to tell you how I survived. And he like turns to the camera and makes the face of like, <laughs> it's like I don't know what I'm doing. And just well, walks away. I don't know if it's in that time or a different one when... Uh... He's in his mind palace and he's, you know, doing what you're saying, going through his calculations. And then he says, oh, I'm nothing without an audience. And then just looks at the camera and kind of gives yeah. a little smile. Yeah. He was breaking the I fourth wall a lot. <laughs> but it's, it's okay because it's his mind palace. When you're alone in an episode. Yeah. I kind and of enjoy it when the doctor's talking to us. Makes well, us they feel have like to, convenient. yeah, they have to come up with a way to have him be talking. And then, so like at the beginning... He's kind of just like talking, talking things out to himself. And then when he makes that door open, he goes, see Clara. And he's like, ah, fuck. So like, it's kind of like he's talking to her, even though she's not there. And then he goes the extra step and is actually just communicating to himself inside his own head. What's with Clara and chalkboards? She's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Dupa. Oh, I gosh. legit thought that was a painting and she was just staring at a painting of like, just nothing like you thought that green, green chalkboard was a painting <laughs> green chalkboard my butt maybe the tv colors off but it didn't look like a chalkboard the first time you see it while we're talking about the mind palace i really did like how the tardis um kind of was like his body so the tardis was his body and then he was his mind like going through everything and when he was falling the tardis had motion like it was traveling and like it was getting real intense like just in the camera and then when he hit the water and then it was like booting back up that was him coming back to consciousness and it was just really it was really cool i like that well the shot when he's dying like after the veil first touches him yep. and he goes in there again and it's completely dark and all the systems start turning on like in a sequence yeah fucking love that shot what they did with that water scene was so good what did everyone think when they saw all the skulls I thought absolutely nothing of it. I thought he was in like a death pit where they just Ocean send a full bunch of skulls to die. Totally normal. Yeah. But then when you see the skull drop from that, like the top of the castle. Whew. Mm-hmm. Well, and the doctor thought the same thing. Like, I'm, I'm not the first prisoner here. There's all mm -hmm. those skulls. But then they do do a shot 
And I'm going to spoil a fun fact because I said doo-doo. <laughs> uh, exactly, Jake. I know. Uh, but those skulls were molded off Peter Cavaldi's head. I was what? wondering about that because I saw that nasal cavity. And I'm like, that totally could fit his. <laughs> How creepy would that be? What a weird thing to just think about. What? Yeah. How <laughs> creepy would it be, though, really weird? as him to hold up a skull and like the whole line about looking through the eyes. That's why you look in their eyes and it's like your yeah. skull. That's real creepy. Yeah. yeah. But the, this last time was the first time I noticed and I've watched this plenty of times that they have a shot of one of the skulls and then it like transitions into a shot of his face in the same frame. And it, so it's like, you know what? You don't think anything of it, but until you like know subconsciously the, uh, foreshadowing it well it's when you know what you're looking for it's pretty blatant and you're kind of like how did i not fucking know like it's just telling you and that's what moffat does like people give him credit for being like sneaky and having these big reveals but he doesn't he just tells you everything and you just don't know what the question you're asking is yet so you have to like go back and see it all again mm. so capaldi can just like sweet talk a door and it opens Oh, that part was weird. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I love that he says, like I used to... Stroked it. Well, he says, I used to know a trick back when I was young and telepathic. <laughs> what? Was he telepathic? What? Back Is when he was young? Science? Does no time pass while he was in his confession dial, so, like, he's not really a billion years older? Well, that's a... Wow. Interesting you, question, right? Because you start him back from scratch every time. Does time ever pass with a doctor? Like it doesn't matter. It could be fifty. Yeah, we billion saw Matt Smith get old and die. Yeah, Cody, pay attention. <laughs> We've seen two doctors, the first and the eleventh, die of old age. Right, but he just hops in the TARDIS, and now it's nineteen ninety eight again. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but he didn't change. No, you still um, get old relative to yourself. So he doesn't get old. He's a clump. Right. That's so what every I'm... cycle is only like what five days, whatever it is. And so yeah, he ages that amount of time and then he starts over. And so when what he's an done... insane torture chamber. Like starting over, not remembering anything, and having to go through it every single time. <laughs> well, that but was that... the doctor though. That wasn't designed, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. he's doing that. And so, like, all he, so, like, presumably he would just die. But, uh, but instead, he's refusing until he can escape. Right. And so that's... he's he's creating this repetition. So, but he does remember, doesn't he? Mm -mm. He does. Wait. He, I think what? he has an idea when he gets to the top and he's like, it's been 50 when, million years. And then, like, the skulls make sense to him. Now, when he realizes it, which is, um, just after that, he goes into the the TARDIS again, and he says, "I can remember every time." When he's arguing with Clara, what? he's like, "Why can't I just lose?" He's like, "Why do I have to keep doing this?" I can remember. So, like, once he realizes it, then the memories like come to him. Oh, I didn't get that. And his description of how the teleporter works doesn't track with that either. No, it doesn't. But he then just flat out says, I can remember every time. I thought he was just talking about problems in general, not specifically this problem. <laughs> like, he's just like, yeah. I just want to fail. Can I just not know everything? Same. Yeah. It was disappointing now. 
because I wish when I heard that I already knew that he was talking about like stopping the cycle because at the time it was just like yeah that's that scene is much more powerful when you know what he's talking about yeah if he's just like oh i fight all the time why can't i just rest (laughs) but if he's like i've been doing this for so long and i'm still so far away that it like really changes your perspective he had to remember at some million he had to remember at some point because he kept adding on to the millions and billions and whatever well Well, well, that was just from that yeah. by looking at the stars. Yeah, so he knew he hadn't traveled through time, but he knew that the stars were in the wrong spot. So he's like, he always says, if I didn't know better, I would say it's been... And Cody, he actually gets up to 2 billion. And so, he, like, if I didn't know better, I'd say it's been 2 billion years. Oh, yeah, that's right. So time, that is time so around him figuring this out did progress that long, right? I don't That's know. What I it, at, it at least did in the confession dial. I don't know if the confession right. dial is its own universe mm. or what, That's but it point. does have stars that are familiar to him. So he also says he's less than a light year from where he left, which was Earth. So he's not super far away from Earth as far as he can tell by looking at the sky. Hmm. Things get confusing. Right. But then also he steps through a door and he's on Gallifrey and who knows where the fuck that is. Because last time we heard from it, it was in a different dimension in a crack and it fed him some regenerations. Yeah. I really liked how the castle moved. That was amazing. CG was dope. And I think he wrote down at one point like dials next to each other and was like trying to figure out what was where and can you imagine trying to put that puzzle together in your brain while being chased by this thing that wants yeah. to kill you while getting no sleep because the most you can get is 82 minutes hmm. yeah Yikes. yes and that's like if you run from one end to the complete other end yeah yeah 82 minutes but i mean the doctor and sleep are, <laughs> are weird. Like, there's a lot of stories, not just in the show, but Big Finish, where it's like, you know, he could take an eight-minute nap, and he's, like, good for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, you, ne- you yeah. never really know when he's wow. sleeping. It's, but then, like, uh, David Tennant's whole first episode, he's sleeping. It's the... What's that? Morpheus? Yeah, Matrix? The Morpheus. Yeah, Morpheus. Sleep No More, Alex, your favorite episode. <laughs> uh let's see i do want to point out and i tweeted this out yesterday that i i love this tardis set it's my favorite tardis ever and rachel talloway my favorite doctor who director ever is able like the whole episode is beautiful obviously there's so many great shots but what she does inside the tardis is why she's my favorite like there's a scene where Capaldi's like running up one of the sets of stairs and stops like halfway and he's just bitching and the camera is completely on the other side of the TARDIS but in a balcony and they're using a wide lens so it looks like he's really far away and like the, it makes the TARDIS look so big even though this set is smaller than Matt Smith's first set and so just what they're able to do because of the design of it is amazing. And it just makes me think how much I really, really hate the current TARDIS <laughs> that Jodie Whittaker <laughs> oh, no. has. <laughs> oh, no. Poor Jodie got everything against her. They they added some stuff in her second season to make it a little better, but okay. still. 
I don't know, Jake. I was thinking this TARDIS could use more columns. <laughs> that go up and down. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, let's see. Anyway, yeah, love the TARDIS. Any thoughts? Real good. This? The lights in there are amazing, and I'm sure it's yeah. just the lighting, but it really stood out a lot in this particular story. Yeah. I just like that it's vertical. So, like, there's so many places to go. Like, Jenna Coleman, when she's in front of the chalkboard, she's, like, on one level, and there's even another level below her, and then there's, obviously, the console, and then the steps, and then the thing above it, and it's all great. Uh, to what you were saying with the shots in the TARDIS, too, there was a scene where Capaldi was kind of, like, running away, and he, like, ran from the console, ran down the stairs, and then went underneath and, like, sat there, and, like, that yeah. whole shot was super cool too yeah that's exactly the shot i was thinking of when i said there's even a spot below where jenna coleman is so at the 28 minute mark of this story the doctor says that he's like keeping track of time by like banging his finger against his palm and it starts like making a noise as he's doing it like that's how he keeps track of how long it takes the veil to find him oh Because he's counting yeah, the seconds. Yeah, he's counting yeah. the seconds. I was wondering what he was doing with the little, like, solo hand clap. Right. So, like, I didn't notice until this watching, in the very first scene when he first meets the veil, he's doing it. Like, he's already started doing it, and he doesn't explain it for another 25 minutes. Wow. I didn't notice that, actually. I missed that explanation entirely. I think this episode would have really benefited from having captions on. Well, it definitely... Uh, you didn't watch it with captions? <laughs> Yeah, there's one guy talking who you can barely understand because <laughs> he's <laughs> Scottish as fuck. I just have to remember that. But this definitely just benefits from multiple viewings just because of the nature of it and the fact that it's, you know, the the cherry on the top of it is all the details that you don't see or don't think are important. Just like that scene where he's like, that Cody was talking about where he is, you know, dropping the pedals to the floor, dropping the monocle to the floor and then it immediately explains it but there's those kinds of things all throughout like the painting of clara that's obviously like old and chipped and everything the doctor painted that but he's been there for seven thousand years at that point but i thought oh. everything reset when you went through it so i didn't think that yeah it's I not uh about... it's not the most strict thing like there's still like the skulls but those are outside but then there's a ton of dust in the well the skull stays actually because he he grabs it and brings it outside right and then there's all that dust in the transporter room from his dead bodies and then there's the the wall of the substance that's 400 times harder than diamond that doesn't reset it's too hard oh yeah and his clothes i just assumed they had an extra pair there for him but that makes sense that you said he was naked through all of one and he left his clothes there and they just well at one point, Stephen Moffat in some interview, or I think it was in Doctor Who Magazine. Oh, yeah, I've got it right here. Doctor Who Magazine 495. So he says that uh, he clarifies that the, that the Doctor did that painting of Clara and that he set up a whole bunch of clues, like the I am in 12. He did that, and he left uh, the clothes there. And this is all because, he, like, the cycle that he knew he had to do a bunch of times was taking too long. So he set it up so that it would take as little time as possible for the next him to figure it out. My brain. I would die in there. But it's 
this episode oh, is so incomprehensible. <laughs> it's just like repeating the cycle for a billion years. A billion years. Two billion years. <laughs> That's fucking insane. Can give you such a crink in the neck. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, um, I do really like the, and they don't use it very much, but the construct of the veil, like having these TV screens set up so you can see what it's seeing. And I, I really like the very first instance where you see a TV and it's got the doctor on it. And so he looks across the castle and the veil's like in one of the windows and he just keeps looking at the TV and then looking at the thing. And it's just like super creepy and it's kind of dropped from there. They don't really use it again until I think one time when he's digging the or opening up that grave. But uh, just that alone is like, that's such a great idea for a monster. Yes. And also specifically the scene in the grave where the monster's staring at the door into that area. And then he opens it. Why? That's spoopy. Yeah, I had a question. Can the monster not open the door because his hands would burn it? Well, he starts pushing it. I mean, the main point of the monster is to scare the doctor so that he confesses. So maybe he's just fucking with him. Oh, okay. Also, I just figured like he was not actually able to like touch anything else because he would just burn it all. Well, if that was the... I mean, maybe... But then, you know, you could just go in a room and close the door and be like, well, I live here now. Do you think the doctor made those same couple confessions like billions of times then? <laughs> yeah, probably. He would have had to have. Gallifrey's just, fuck, he keeps talking about this dumb <laughs> shit. <laughs> he has to come up with new ones every time. He has so many confessions. It's like, this dude is a monster. <laughs> like He's done so <laughs> many horrible things. His confessions turn into like, my favorite color isn't really TARDIS blue. It's, uh. <laughs> I like how this episode also is like the mourning period for the doctor as well. Yeah. Because there's a lot of talk of um, uh, death and dying. And then uh, what was it? There was, uh, he said, maybe I'm in hell but hell is also just heaven for bad people. And like a lot of My those phrases, least and stuff favorite were... line. <laughs> well, it's... I like the idea. Like, no, I know. And it, it, I do like it. It's just one of those Moffat lines that we always talk about when we do these, where it's like, this is just a little for that. And it's uh, yeah, it's the worst one. And I have it in my notes. I'm not, I'm not scared of hell. It's just heaven for bad people. And then I go, fuck <laughs> off, Moffat. <laughs> I really, I like all of those lines. And I like that one too. I initially liked that line, but then I'm like, so yeah. like bad people are just having a great time down in hell. Like, fuck you. <laughs> Guess it depends on how bad you are. Well, it's just heaven for bad people. It's not saying that it's a great place. It's just. What part of heaven for bad people? insinuates it's not a great place for bad people heaven, heaven can <laughs> you can just look at it as the name of the place i mean murderers if they like to murder <laughs> they can keep murdering in hell right can they yeah it's like so or do they just get to... murdered over and over again i don't know what hell is this like is is this uh is this like inferno hell or is this like christian <laughs> hell 
Well, no. as far as he knows, it's this castle. True. Ah, uh, time, time Lord Hell. Got it. <laughs> yeah, forced to stay in one place for years. Well, there, there is that line right at the beginning where he's like, "Oh, this is a, this is like a puzzle in a torture chamber," and blah blah. blah. And then he goes, "Must be Christmas." He's got this yeah. big dumb smile on his face. I remember that line too. Even though the hybrid isn't a Dalek Time Lord, that idea is brilliant. Do we ever see an episode with hybrid Dalek Time Lord? No, because the doctor said it doesn't Why doesn't would exist. I tell you if we did? But that would be the coolest thing. The Dalek tells him that he would make a good Dalek, if that counts. That's true. Maybe he is a Dalek. Maybe this whole thing is just leading up to the doctor <laughs> loading up into a tank. <laughs> Just exterminating me. <laughs> if it ends with the doctor saying that the hybrid is him, what does that mean? It means that he's a Dalek hybrid. He is the evil that the time. He doesn't look like a Dalek. Yeah, neither do you. But you're not a Time Lord Dalek hybrid. Means that River's coming back. Hmm. Wait. What? Wait. Well, how far of a stretch was that? What's happening? <laughs> I'm just hoping someday. Not oh. as far as you say. Neither are you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was an even farther stretch. I just thought I missed something there. That I, okay. So as soon as he said that he was the hybrid, or like the hybrid didn't exist. Fuck. What did he? No, verbatim. Stick with the verbatim train. So that's what he said. <laughs> he said the hybrid. Um, which is meant to stand in the ashes of Gallifrey is me. Okay. So does that mean that he's half Dalek, half Time Lord? Or oh, that, or... that was all just bullshit? And Well, that was well, bullshit. He says a Dalek wouldn't do that. He's right, got yeah. the spirit, though. But he's got the Dalek the, spirit. The hybrid has been brought up multiple times in the season. Every time you guys could not give less of a shit. <laughs> we tried. Fair. Alex tried bringing it up a couple times. I tried bringing it up. So Still don't care. <laughs> Just wait till it hits us in the face. So, so when he's he... talking about it in um, the girl who died, he says it's two warrior races and that it's assumed to be Daleks and Time Lords, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. So if it's the doctor and he's Gallifreyan, maybe it's him being a Gallifreyan and something else. And uh, what's the face above? Uh, he's a human. Saying... The face above is a human? human? Yeah, Captain Jack's a human. Yeah, from the 51st century, you're welcome. It's a bow is Captain Jack? What? <laughs> Where have you been? Where were I'm you? Begging you to listen to the podcast, man. Let's backtrack a little Dude, bit. Dude, I am the podcast. What? Wait, are you being okay. serious right now? I it, Go listen. You know, here's the deal. It's been a long time since that episode, and I, my brain is a Rolodex, okay? And it goes back <laughs> four hours. It's um, Donna's last episode, Journey's End. Is that what it's called? So you mm -hmm. know he's mm -hmm. not going to watch it. Yep, definitely. That's probably what happened here. You're fired. <laughs> Damn it. I'll take my severance, please. <laughs> oh, negative $50. <laughs> I'm 
You owe me. You owe, you owe me for firing so you. Much. All right. Next note: Jenna Coleman has the world's smallest hands. Well, she's the world's Go smallest woman. About this or Capaldi has a huge face. I said I was going to bring it up at some point, and I was going to bring it up last week because when she puts her hand on his face before she goes to die. She has the tiniest hand in the world. And I've yeah. seen Peter Capaldi around other people. He has a totally normal size head. <laughs> but she has these teeny tiny hands. It must be so hard for her to do anything. <laughs> hey, Jenna, Here, go play piano, this. would you? Her and Whoa. Donald Trump, the two people with the world's smallest hands. Our hands are huge. We have the best hands. What? <laughs> what are you That's doing? Decent, Trump. That was my Trump. It was a good Trump. That was a great job. Takes the doctor a day and a half to climb to the top of the tower after the veil gets him. How do you know that? Fun fact. He said it. Yeah, he says it out loud. God damn it. I need this in print. I I can't do this anymore. But like while dying, he slowly crawls up to the top of the tower for 36 hours. Could his his face be any creepier? (gasps) I thought it was perfect. What did I think it was going on? I didn't think he was dying. I thought he was oh, you, like transforming. Like, is he turning into that regenerating thing? No, the like the little slow walk thing. The veil. The veil. No. Yeah, I thought he was turning into that. <laughs> Come on, Alex. It's the only other person in the story. You could at least remember what it's called. Wouldn't that have been oh cool? My God. That would have been cool. The when the doctor's talking about how every cell in a time lord's body is desperately trying to regenerate, even though you're dying. So it could take a Time Lord days to die. Yo. So why doesn't every Time Lord just get electrocuted? Uh, what? Are we trying to kill them? <laughs> yeah. What? No, he just needed energy. Well, he oh. just needed to burn something. Yeah. That had nothing to do with him being a Time Lord. And that, and that wasn't to, like, make him come back to life. He killed himself so he could, like, re- 3D print himself. Okay, fine. Which... And- does then, he die the same way he would die normally? If he wasn't in the uh thing? What? What? <laughs> like <laughs> if that happened in the real world. If that if a veil touched him? <laughs> or like he'll put the little electrodes on his brain? Not his brain. The on burners. His head. Oh like if he burned himself? Yeah, I feel like that wouldn't happen because he's a Time Lord, but because he's in this fake world, his deaths are different because they're not real deaths. No, that was real. Matt Smith got shot during his regeneration, so he died for reals. Uh, David Tennant, in turn left, died for reals from drowning because, I don't know, you can't regenerate into a place where you're just going to die, I guess. (laughs) So could he regenerate? He couldn't regenerate into his burning body. Yeah, maybe. But what? also, like, he regenerated once and it was so powerful, it shot a Dalek spaceship out of the sky. So, like, he could probably rip a couple nodes off his head. <laughs> Especially if his head was bigger. <laughs> <laughs> or smaller. And if Jenna Coleman's <laughs> hands were bigger. The normal size head. <laughs> we had the best head. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, but while he's dying, when he's in the TARDIS and he's you know in his last death throes of his mind palace, when he like is laying on the ground and he says, 
just the line exactly as I was when I got here 7,000 years ago. I love that delivery from Peter Capaldi. And it's not in my favorite lines, but I think it's my favorite acted line <laughs> in the episode. And it's just, you know, we could spend however much time we do this just saying how awesome Peter Capaldi is. But that's my my like thesis of how awesome he is is here is look at this the part where you find out like what's that happening. is looping yeah 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 that was really good really good i found it um really creepy too that when the doctor uh comes out of the tube and like gives his speech again of like the i am the doctor i will come looking for you all the time and but he like grabs that sand and it's just ash from all the previous doctors. <laughs> yeah. uh... Also, when he comes out of that thing and he's coughing um, at the very, very beginning of the episode, when we just see like a hand pull a lever and then a body falls, he coughs that exact same cough and then comes out of the transporter and coughs. And so it's like clue number one that you should have known the whole time that was the doctor. Because he, it's just Peter Capaldi's voice coughing. Like you should just know that's him. Also, that um, cough was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over and over and over and over again. It's COVID all over in there. Just like the face that he makes with the cough. Oh, it's awful. I got nothing left, so, you know, whatever Tweets. you guys want. I got nothing. Uh, the doctor yeeting himself out the window was really funny to me. <laughs> like, you'll never expect this. It's just whoop. <laughs> just I'll see you later, bitch. There's water down here. I heard it. Yeah. And then ooh, and then in his first mind palace, he he ran through the rules of not dying. And it was super cool. Like we heard a few of them before, but it was just cool to hear from the doctor's side. Yeah. For <laughs> I the first thing he says is um like first rule of interrogation show me you're the boss die faster yeah <laughs> i think that's my favorite line remember that for later because i didn't write it down you want to do tweets not tweets. tweets maybe not if you tweets. talk nice uh alex could you please sir give me this <laughs> twitter theme song tweet 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 that, that was me talking nice that was creepy. Is that how you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a redo? Oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't like it. <laughs> and the niceness ends. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, I'm prefacing this with a warning. As much as I love all of you, if I listen to this and anyone doesn't like this, then we might have a problem. <laughs> we good, Ode. I, I think we're good. For my money, this is one of the best episodes of whoever. Give me the money. Capaldi showing exactly what a powerhouse of acting he is. Why he's up there is one of the best IMO. This uses one of my favorite concepts. It gives the audience all the clues to figure out what's actually happening, but deliberately obscured things so the reveal is so effective. I kind of so, hate that because it makes me feel like an idiot. Like <laughs> I should be smarter. It's for rewatchability. It is. It's rewatchable. It's for the fast forward. The fast forward is the coolest part of the episode. And I love how that puts us in the same position as the Doctor. The reveal that by the end of each cycle, 12 remembers everything about every previous cycle is horrifying, as is finding out how long he was trapped there for and how many times he must have died. Yeah, if you divide, let's say, five days by two billion years, 
It's a lot of deaths. So many. The veil is incredibly creepy, and as an embodiment of death and the Doctor's fear, it's so effective. And the body horror and gore of the dying Doctor is horrific, and along with the stalker style of the veil gives a horror feel to the story. Having a villain that can't be outsmarted, so it has to be outright fought by the Doctor, is so unusual for Who, and it works so well in showing the Doctor's determination, even when he has to resort to brute force. Using the TARDIS as the Doctor's storm room, which is definitely not Moffat reusing his own ideas, <laughs> is clever and shows, as in magician slash witch, how fast the Doctor's mind works, as does the sequence where he escapes via the window. Uh, the reveal that the entire loop was in the confession dial was quite obvious, but the reveal of Gallifrey is astonishing, even if it was spoiled in the preview info. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. Oh, no. Wasn't spoiled for me. But it's so effective and sets up a proper Gallifrey story, finally, and it really builds up what's to come. Seeing the Doctor's anger even after so many years in the cycle is still there and directed at his own people is so effective. It makes a promise of seeing him set against them. Uh, such an irresistible idea. I do really like the fourth wall breaks in this episode. The line about finally running out of corridor is great. And I love the nothing without an audience line. Hey, I said that too. Uh, whenever the Doctor gets meta, it's incredible, but especially 12 when he's so stoic and serious normally. I absolutely love this episode as dark as it is, and I'm not going to say all the reasons why, not least of all because it would make Jake uh, have to read too much. This is, for me, one of the best performances Capaldi gives, but there's still so much greatness yet to come. I really hope you all enjoy it. Otherwise, we're going to fight. I cannot wait to hear what you... <laughs> he he didn't say that. I, I'm just uh, paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he says, given how everything's gotten back into lockdown here. Yeah, the UK's locked back down. Oh, um, no. I'm really so grateful for all you do. It's always been amazing and will keep being that way. I am certain. Thank you again. Losing track of how many times I said that. But still, now on to make notes for Series 10. That's nice. Awesome. That's super cool. No, I I think yeah. we all like it. It great tweet. Uh Yeah, I think we brought up almost everything other than you know anything that's referencing what's going to come or mm-hmm. getting excited about it. Passion fruit said to jar candle at b underscore bird underscore moth. She says in the running to be the best episode of all of who. Wow. Yeah. Is that, that's what she says? That's what she says. Fucking nailed it. So we stop here. Now what? <laughs> Torchwood? Um, Torchwood. I'm really hoping like the next episode needs to keep this bar high. You know what? I'm one of very few people, maybe the only person in the whole world who likes the next episode more than this one. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, a lot of people who really love this episode and Face the Raven hate the next episode. Oh. But there's no Jenna Coleman. Well, I hate everything that doesn't have Jenna Coleman in it, especially you guys. <laughs> Cindy, not that Cindy, at Needs More Yarn says, Favorite lines. It's funny. The day you lose someone isn't the worst day. At least you got something to do. It's all the days they stay dead. Most accurate description of grief I've ever heard. That was going to be my favorite line. Was that the conversation between the doctor and Clara? No, no. he says that when he like first sees the painting and he kind of just like he's sitting in that chair. Oh, that's right. Just Dance. counting seconds waiting for the veil. Matt 
at Mr. Matt1985. He's the co-host of the Neither Time Nor the Space podcast. He says, I cannot comment as I haven't seen it yet, but as our podcast begins to venture into the Capaldi era, I'd be interested to know what you guys think of his run so far and what things do you think define the 12th Doctor. Is he as good as people say he is? Yes. Bro. Yeah. Better. <laughs> like, beyond better. Yes. Very different. Coming off of the Matt Smith, right? Matt Smith, incredibly chaotic. Arms flailing everywhere. Energetic and excited. <laughs> Capaldi, a little bit slower. A little bit less in the empathy and the sympathy. Way more in the making fun of Clara. <laughs> Jake, did you tweet them back? Because they probably won't listen to the podcast because they shouldn't. Well, his next one is, I look forward to listening to your response in five years' time when we finally catch up to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, holy crap. Well, it's funny because we started the podcast the same week that they did, but they do a lot of like sideways episodes. So like at the end of every season, they do an episode recapping the season. Mm. And then they'll typically do like a classic doctor story in between seasons, just to like take a break. Nah, we, we full steam ahead. So they just did the, or they're just starting Capaldi. So they're not that far behind us. In fact, he listened to our deep breath episode already because that's the one they just did. I had to skip their, uh, episode on the old who because i don't know anything about old who so i, I yeah chris at this emo trash says this really is one of the best episodes that has ever been capaldi is such an immensely good actor he carries the story on his own and sells it brilliantly he had a proper insight into the inner workings of the doctor's mind with all his monologues in the tardis and the mystery keeps you guessing whilst still giving you all the clues the skulls, the stars being out of place, the painting being old, the room resetting, and time stopping when he speaks the truth are all huge clues as to what's going on, and yet it isn't in any way obvious. And it keeps you guessing until it finally reveals what's going on. For a creature that barely does anything, the veil is a really scary monster. The moment it comes out from the grave makes me jump every time. This episode deals with the horror really well, and Stephen Moffat and Rachel Talalay share that talent i think i said it last time but rachel talley is the best who director there's ever been oh, i agree i love that the doctor is self-aware that there's an audience watching i like oh i was going to bring that up at the very end um when he's on gallifrey he says i think you can still hear me and then like gives his big end speech of the hybrid is me so when he is talking out loud he does at least think that there is somebody listening so he's not just talking for no reason well, I thought that was to Gallifrey. Like, they're still listening through the the confession dial. Right, but he's saying that he knew the whole time that somebody was listening to him. So oh. he is speaking out loud, like, for a purpose. Gotcha. Chris goes on, says, The way Clara plays into the story is brilliant as well, asking all the right questions, as a companion should. At first, you think it might just be a stand-in or a mannequin dressed as her, but the reveal... A mannequin? That'd be horrifying. Uh, but the reveal when she actually shows up is so great and serves as the motivation for the Doctor to carry on. This isn't my favorite episode, though that will come next series. I cannot imagine what he's thinking. Um, yeah, I can. I know exactly what he's talking about. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I can totally see why it is the favorite of so many there are no other episodes like this. It serves as not only a way for Capaldi's acting to truly shine, but also to kickstart the finale and the story of how it will all continue. This also has the shortest cast list of any episode ever, and yet it has more content than some episodes of the larger cast. This may be in your fun facts, but the skull props that are used are all modeled on Capaldi. It was in my fun facts, uh, which is cool and disturbing. Also, interestingly, this is the only 
See, I purposely left this out of fun facts because every time I bring it up, you guys don't give a shit. Also, interestingly, this is the only penultimate episode of a series in all of Moffat's run to not feature the Cybermen in some way. What? Whoa. So fun <laughs> Dude. fact. <laughs> he goes he goes on to say, I have a friend that doesn't like Capaldi, and I always point her to episodes like this and just wonder how anyone can think he isn't good. I'd be surprised if any of the marrieds don't like this one since it's almost universally loved. Who who? Who's gonna come up? Who's gonna step up to me and be like, Cody, listen. That episode was not the best fucking episode of this uh season. I'll fight you. Oh, this season? Yeah. I don't want to make it too broad. You know, opinions. Well, what's your favorite episode ever? uh, This one. Family of Blood. No, it's not. I retired that one for a new one. You said the Zygon two-parter was better than Family of Blood. Zygon two-parter. Yep, that's it. That that was a (laughs) short-lived favorite. (laughs) This is a new favorite. I, eh, I don't see title names anymore like i used to or we don't talk about title names anymore like we used to so i just i just never know i don't even know what this one's called heaven sent heaven sent you want to guess what the next one's called i already looked at it but i like that they go together is it heaven false it's hellbent Hellbent. oh oh that's cool sam what's your favorite episode um probably still um the Vincent episode. Van Gogh. Vincent at the Van Doctor. Gogh. Is that what it was called? Yep. Jill, what's yeah. yours? This one's up there. I don't know. Uh, I really love River, in case you can't tell. It's got to be something with River. Hmm. What's the best River episode? I'm going to have to go back. Skip me. Yeah, I'd have to give it, a, I'd have to give it a, some thought. The Probably the library the two-parter in the face. Terry, what's your favorite episode? The Family of Blood. Alex, what's your favorite episode? Hmm. Uh, this one is probably up there. Like Capaldi kind of takes over a lot of my favorites from now on. Joe, what's your favorite episode? No, I have to like go do a rewatch. Oh. It's not like Hold it on. come I back in tell... a few seconds. Man, I'm sure the library one, if we go back and watch, Forest is so good, knowing what we know now. Forest of the Dead, yeah, that one. It just it just came to me. I remembered it. Yeah. I understand it's people's favorite episode of Doctor Who, but I was just wondering, like, is it a good standalone episode? Like how he was saying, like, when I want to introduce them to who and stuff like that i make them watch this episode well too. he was specifically saying when people say they don't like peter capaldi oh okay because so he's saying like... here's a yeah I, I get exactly what you're saying and i always wonder the same thing because people really like to say that they introduce people to doctor who with blink which is like the worst episode to introduce someone to doctor who with because the doctor's not in it and it doesn't really represent the show but it's still a great episode it's just not like if i were to introduce you to the show it's not the one i would choose right alex give me that fun fact theme song fun fun facts fun fun facts we got our fun facts i think my favorite episode and it changes every day is a tie right now between turn left and listen nobody asked but figured i'd throw it out there 
Thanks, and that was our fun fact. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, at one point, there's a TV special called The Ultimate Time Lord, where Stephen Moffat describes the doctor as an adrenaline junkie. He will toss himself out a window and figure out what to do on the way down. Then he liked that so much, he put it in an episode. <laughs> that he did in a very extraordinary way. This is the first story of the revived series to only have one actor in the opening credits. Do it more often, wow. really. Because Clara died. Da 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 da. Jamie Reed Quarrel was the veil. He also played Colony Sarf in the premiere of this season. That's it. Not a lot of actors to look for <laughs> to look up their IMDb. <laughs> that little boy, no idea. Jenna Coleman, we already know. Yeah, damn, that's everybody. Um, so this is going to be the last time we're going to do favorite lines. I'm retiring favorite lines. Oh, no. Because our podcasts are, they're not Very too long. long. No, they're not too long. We we managed to get them down to between 60 and 70 minutes in the edit. But I'd like to devote more time to actually talking about the episodes and not just burning through segments at the end. Favorite mm. lines. And like the the game that's finite. Once we run out of trivial pursuit questions, we'll stop. But uh, favorite lines, we can just say them while we're talking. But how will we know who's got the favorite lines? <laughs> it is one of the best songs. It's going to have to be like who who has the MVP. Alex, you the favorite lines? Up. So that was a fun fact that we're closing down favorite lines. Yeah. That's not a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, reset the fun fact song. Yeah, Sam <laughs> bought all those whiteboards for no fucking Depressing. reason. Well, MVP. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll keep that. If we ever see each other again. <laughs> favorite lines, favorite lines. Listen close, these are last favorite lines. Ah. But who's got the favorite lines? Yeah. How That's do you not the say part. the thing they all just said they're gonna miss? <laughs> Say your lines. I'm getting a beer. I'm desperately waiting for somebody to say my favorite line. The one that I said earlier in the episode that I said someone needs to remember because I didn't write it down. That one. Uh, Clara said to not take revenge, but I also don't always listen. <laughs> Verbatim. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there was one said in the tweets earlier that I had said was my one of my favorites of the the day you lose someone isn't the worst. At least you have something to do. It's all the days they stay dead. Yeah. That's a good one. Oof. Uh, and then I also have the when he's talking about uh, Time Lords dying. Of We like to die around our own kind. They know not to bury us early. <laughs> um, I, I had down... It was when he was in his mind palace. And he... Uh, like resolves to not die and and then he's like walking back and you had mentioned it terry where he has like this face he's like oh i can't wait to hear what i say because <laughs> like right? he doesn't know what he's <laughs> so gonna good. do yet oh and the doctor came the long way around at the very end <laughs> oh that was a good line i yeah. like that the final line of the 50th anniversary special the doctor says i'm going where i've always been going home the long way around and there it is. If you think because she's dead, I'm weak, you understand very little. If you had any part in killing her, you're not afraid, then you understand nothing at all. So for your sake, understand this. I'm the doctor, I'm coming to find you, and I will never, ever stop. 
That's mine too. Uh, I also like when he first is walking down the corridor before he meets the veil and he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's yelling and he just goes, I just watched my best friend die in agony. My day can't get any worse. Let's see what we can do about yours. Mm. Yeah. And then Clara, well, like her one line in the TARDIS, just saying, get up off your ass and win. Yeah, I like the it, the line preceding that as well. But then when I read it, I was like, hmm. Just the way Clara said it made it seem yeah. a little bit more profound. I love what she calls him, like when she says off your ass and daft old man, like just the way Jenna Coleman says those phrases are just, I like them. Mm-hmm. Boo. It's the intro speech with the doctor. When he's coming out of the teleporter that Jill uh, yeah. said verbatim. Yeah, that one, that one, that one's good. I like that one. The one that I said earlier in the episode that I said I'm not going to remember, but that's my favorite line, that one. <laughs> you were right. Mm-hmm. I also don't remember it, and I said it. But I'm voting for the the day you lose someone isn't the worst line. I'll sing the MVP theme song. MVP, we're going to give you our MVPs. <laughs> Alex, what's your MVP? Who's your MVP? <laughs> uh, Peter Capaldi. <laughs> Imagine that. Joe. The director, Rachel something or other that you've said 52 times, but I still don't remember. There it is. <laughs> Rachel Talalay. She also directed Tank Girl and was part of the staff for a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. That sounds like a fun fact. Yeah, it And does. one of very few American directors in Doctor Who. Also a fun fact. Super is. Sam? I think I'm going to go with the writer. It was a great episode. Stephen Moffat. My you said boy. that like he was graduating. <laughs> Stephen Moffat. Cody, who's your MVP? Uh, it's Murray Gold for that absolutely stunning score. I'm I did like the music in this one, yeah. Jill did not vote for Murray Gold. Direction I, was really good, though. I understand. Like, the directing... The only reason I didn't pick the directors because directors get in love. I was all about the camera angles in this one. For sure. Terry... I really want to give it to Jenna because I love her. I'm going to give it to Stephen Moffat for the script because of for having just such a small cast. It needed to be incredibly strong and engaging, and it definitely was. I really would love to say Peter Capaldi because he's amazing, but he's always amazing. But that's not fair to like not say him because he's just always amazing. And he obviously does a lot of heavy lifting in this. But those shots from the interior of the TARDIS uh, tip the scales for me in the favor of Rachel Talley. Uh, what do we do next? It is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game. Not in Yay. any way stolen by our friends at neither the time nor the space. Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit slash Doug Benson movie game game in which every one of these five bastards in front of me digitally get a question thrown at them if they get it wrong the next person gets four multiple choice options for the same question if they get it wrong the next person just gets to guess among from what's left everyone will get a chance to go first second third fourth and fifth the questions are random so they might be really easy they might be really hard i've also randomly selected the order and it is cody jill sam alex terry hell yeah front of the pack let's go cody jake uh, what is the name of the house haunted by the crooked man 
that the doctor and Clara visit in 1974. I actually don't have time for this question. I just put some corn dogs in. <laughs> Go ahead and pass that one on. I'll be right back for the next one. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say like Frederick House and hope for a Terry. What color is the house? Can we do that instead? <laughs> hey, I wanted to skip questions that were impossible and you guys yelled at me. So here we go. Who yelled at him? <laughs> All of you. <laughs> Individual's fault. Jill, what is the name of the house haunted by the crooked man that the doctor and Clara visit in 1974? Is it Calavary House, the Caliburn House, the Cortez House, the Holland House? The Calavary House. Sam, same question. The one that isn't the ones that aren't the correct answer I got by typing into Google random last names. <laughs> <laughs> the last one. You gotta say what it is. You can't just be like the second one, the third the one, Holland the last one. House. Out. Uh, Sam got it wrong. Read the second one. <laughs> I will only read all of them. <laughs> okay. Calavary House, Caliburn House, Cortez House, Holland House. I believe it is the Cal Caliburn House. That's correct. Hey, Jill, That's it is your turn to go first. Okay. <laughs> what security service did Margaret Blaine work for before she was used by the Slovene? Going with security one. Alex. Yes. Your multiple choice. Wait, are... wait, Sam, Sam. Hey. <laughs> Alex, Hello. could you please tell Sam that her multiple <laughs> choice are... SIS, MI6, MI5, GCHQ. Shoot. Gotham City? Uh, government Communications Headquarters. Yeah, whatever MI you say, Jake. Five. That's correct. Ooh, I was going to say GCHQ. Right? I was yeah. Between five and six, and I got nervous. I want to know what the difference is between those two. Uh, one has uh, a five. One. <laughs> Sam has a point. Alex has a point. Sam, it is your turn to go first. Okay. What is the name of the place where the 11th Doctor visits his own tomb with Clara, Strax, Vastra, and Jenny? Oh, my gosh. Uh. Do I have a point coming? Yeah, because I can't. Uh, it's a. Uh... No, <laughs> I give. I can't remember. She's got corn dogs in the oven and needs it to go to the next person. <laughs> Alex. Okay, yeah, I can smell them. Alex, you get no multiple choice. Just tell me what it is. Trenzalore. It's Trenzalore. Yeah, I would not have thought of that. Often. What? Alex has two. Sam has one. The doctor will fall there. in the fields of Trenzalore. Verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> Verbatim. Alex, it is your turn to go first. Chance to run away with it again. Which historical queen ends up joining John Riddell on his hunts in the African plains? Oh, Cleopatra. Terry. Oh, shit. <laughs> is it Queen? Oh, wait. I'm just going to get the multiple choice just so I don't look like a fool. <laughs> okay, Terry. Yes. Which historical queen ends up joining John Riddell on his hunts on the African plains? 
Was it Akhenaten, Nefertiti, Cleopatra II, Hatshepsut? Nefertiti. Yeah. Ah. I was waiting for it to be Cleopatra II. Right? Yeah, I was funny. just when I said that, I wanted Alex to be like, what the fuck? So she was. <laughs> so I it just, got, Fertiti, the, not I just got the wrong lady that was in the episode. <laughs> uh, she's not in that episode. Cleopatra is not in any episode. Who's the who's the Egyptian lady in that episode? Nefertiti. Nefertiti. Okay, uh, so I did. I, right. I did just get the lady wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think? Well, you said I there was no lady <laughs> or what, like what? No. Okay. No, 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 no. There were two ladies. Is there actually a Cleopatra the second? Yeah, there's a Cleopatra the fifth. Also, there's only been seven, or sorry, the seventh. There's only been seven female pharaohs, and those were all actual female pharaohs. And they were all named Cleopatra. No, the four oh. I just said were all actual. <laughs> God damn it, Alex. <laughs> You, the one we just got was called Nefertiti, so no, they weren't all called Cleopatra. Hey man, I, don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Seems like fake news. I hope, <laughs> I hope Terry gets his answer right, and then we have to have a tiebreaker between Alex and Terry. I lose yes, tiebreakers. I would crash time. you. <laughs> okay. Does that mean it's Terry's turn? So yes. Alex has two. Terry has one. Sam has one. Yep. Yep. Terry, yes. what is unusual about the dogs on the planet Barcelona that the doctor tells Rose about in The Parting of the Ways? I don't remember much from these episodes with Rose. Uh, I will say uh, that they don't bark. Cody. Hit it. In Parting of the Ways, the 10th doctor says to Rose, something, something, dogs in Barcelona... Is it, they have no noses, they have no tails, they have no legs, they have no ears. That was not the route I thought this was going. Sorry, also I said it's the 10th Doctor, it's the 9th Doctor. I'm going to go with no tails. Chill. Damn it. Repeat the options. They have no noses, they have no tails, they have no legs, they have no ears. No ears? Sam. No noses? That's correct. Yeah, in retrospect, yeah. He's telling a joke. You say, the dogs have no noses, and then you say, how do they smell? And then you say, pretty bad. (laughs) Oh, you didn't preference it as a dad joke. (laughs) I just read the question as it is. Okay, we currently have a tie between Sam and Alex. First person to blur out the answer is the winner. What spare anatomical part does the 10th Doctor carry around in a jar? Oh, hand. Hand. Alex is the winner. What? (laughs) He beat you by like three seconds. No. Latency. That's a delay. You lagged out. You lagged out. Get fragged with lagged. That was a spicy tiebreaker. Lame. Alex, give me that paper cup of these on. Dun, 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 
This has been Married to Who's episode on Heaven Sent. If you want to participate with us in our social medias, you can do so. Married to Who pod at Twitter. Married to Who on Instagram. Or you can email us, married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast in any other way, you can do so on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can go on our website, married to Who.com. Uh, especially if you want to listen to the older ones. I think Spotify only has the most 100 recent ones. That's not a fucking sentence. On behalf of myself, Jake, and Cody, Terry, Sam, Jill, and Alex, thank you for listening. Please join us next time for Hell Bent. Tell me what in the episode there he's like doing a poem or something at the end about a shepherd's yeah. boy. Yeah, that was the um that was like the fairy tale that he heard growing up about the bird chipping away through the mountain. But what about the shepherd's pie? She's right. Wait, what? Is that? Why was the shepherd's pie relevant? Shepherd's boy, I think. Oh, is what boy. It was. I was hearing pie. But, <laughs> <laughs> Made but no sense. Is that part of, is that like a poem? I don't know it. Is it a well-known poem? I think it I think was you're written making up the poem part. I think no, it was written it for was, this. Like he says, "Shepherd's boy" when he dies every time, and it's weird. He doesn't say it's a poem. He says it's a Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah, we oh, didn't talk about that at all. Because no, that, we that are. Was confusing. How many seconds are in the eternity? It's not confusing. Helena. It's it's an emperor asks a village boy how many seconds are in eternity. The shepherd boy says there's this mountain of pure diamond. It takes an hour to climb it, an hour to go around it. Every hundred years, a little bird comes. It sharpens its beak on the diamond mountain. When the entire mountain is chiseled away, the first second of eternity will have passed. You must think that's a hell of a long time. Personally, I think that's a hell of a bird. Yup. Nice. Never heard of it before. Well, the hell of a bird part is added, but it's the the how many seconds in eternity thing. Hmm. It's about the futile nature of uh, life. <laughs>